Welcome. This is the Tomahawk Show. I am your humble host here, Joe Thomas. With me, as always, my extra humble co-host, Andrew Hawkins. And, of course, the less than humble NFD. Kicking it out in the background without any humbleness. No humble at all. Don't forget to subscribe. Always tweet us at hashtag Tomahawk. Today, we have a special bonus draft recap episode. Uh, But be sure to check out our episode earlier from this week where we had a fun superhero draft. And I drafted the best football team out of superheroes of all time that would destroy Hawk and his crampy-ass team. He even picked people that were not superheroes. Uh, Apparently, he didn't understand the rules. No, that's subjective. And finally, we had an awesome AMA (laughs) on NFL Reddit. Go check out that thread. We answered tons of questions. And I'm sure if you guys have any more questions, we'll be happy to do that again. Coming up on this show, NFL Draft Recap, specifically rounds one through three. Baker, of course, all five first-round QBs. The Browns' new draft class. Jason Witten apparently is leaning towards retiring and taking the Monday Night Football color job. And lastly, as always, the Tomahawk Q&A, using questions from our NFL Reddit AMA. Without any further ado, let's get right into it. The biggest topic of Browns taking Baker Mayfield out of Oklahoma, the Tomahawk alumni with the first pick in the NFL draft of 2018. Hawk, were you surprised by that selection? No, because he was the only draft prospect quarterback who came on the Tomahawk show, which means naturally he was going to be drafted first overall, right? That's like, that goes without saying. When you so, come on the Tomahawk. Comes, it, comes it, in the territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it raises your profile big time. So that's no surprise for me. Yeah, that whole interview, I'm sure, was a part of the evaluation for the Browns. They probably had no idea who he was <laughs> before we talked about it. They're like, wait, who is this guy? He has something to him. Yeah, we better and, check um, this guy out. Yeah, and and I think they it might have been an attempt to get you to come back and play. <laughs> Baker Baker's brings his own blockers, man. He doesn't oh, does he? need a guy like me. Yeah, he can run around. He can avoid people. So he doesn't need a big, slow, old guy like me blocking for him. Exactly. But before we get into the draft, real quick, can we go back to our superhero draft real, oh. real fast? Because if you say LeBron isn't a superhero, is I would imagine that that's the superhero you said wasn't a real superhero. I think he was talking about Hawkman, actually. <laughs> no, Hawkman is definitely a superhero. That goes without question. That's Googleable. Number two, <laughs> did you see LeBron's game? The game five? You yeah, can't I mean, he's ridiculous. Superhero. That's that's number three. Number two, number the next point that I'm going to make is any listeners who voted for your team are idiots because <laughs> that they're just bad. They're just bad at picking football players. I have an invisible person on my team that can go invisible whenever they want to. How is that not the top prospect in the superhero draft? How will you know where to throw them the ball? They're going to be invisible. They're visible, and then they go invisible whenever they want. So you hand them the football, and then they disappear. Does the ball go invisible too? Yes. Anything they touch is also invisible. So the only time they reappear is when they're in the end zone. I'm not sure that's true. I don't really know anything about superheroes. I don't (laughs) think I've ever watched a superhero show in my life, except for The Incredibles with my kids. Uh But I've had so many people come up to me in the last couple of days. Superhero team was clearly better than Hawks. And they also no, said that is bull. What they said was about the invisible person that you drafted. What did you invisible woman or something like that? What was your superhero? Yeah, invisible, invisible woman. woman. They said that as soon as she puts a football helmet and pads on, she you can see the helmet and pads. 
so you can easily tackle her. And when you throw water no. on her, she's visible. So I'm going to have Bobby Boucher on the sidelines with buckets of water <laughs> throwing it all over the field. And I'll have no you problem. You might as well have Professor X yeah. doing it because he can't. And by the wheelchair. way, they said Professor X was one of the smartest selections out there because he's so intelligent that he would know everything that your crappy team would do before they did it. And he would have the perfect yeah. play design every time. Well, if he was the coach, that'd be a different point. But he's one of your players. So, again, he might be able to read my mind, but he can't run a 4-3. So I'm burning him every time. I'll tell him the play. All right. He so right now we're all, we're all on FaceTime, and Joe is drinking coffee. You have a crazy <laughs> coffee mug. Please tell everybody about your yeah, coffee I'm mug. I'm going right to have now. to tweet this because it is my favorite coffee mug. Here we go. It has my <laughs> name on it. <laughs> so my father-in-law, actually, believe it or not, is a potter with a license to kill him. And so he goes to the local pottery place and makes coffee mugs for family members. And on this lovely coffee mug, he put my name in huge ass letters and even my number 73. <laughs> so as we're enjoying another episode of the Tomahawk Show, I'm enjoying a nice cup of Joe with my name on it. Oh, I it, like is, that. it is I giant. Like that. Joe it's drinking well, Joe. All of our coffee sponsors, yeah. please feel free to, to hit us up. Hashtag Tomahawk with an H. All right, let's get into the draft stuff. So Baker goes number one. As, as broken on the Tomahawk show earlier in that day. So if you listen to the Tomahawk, you already knew Baker was going number one because we know everything. Yeah, Dude, just like your, the mock draft we did where you guys got all 10 pick wrong. Pick wrong. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a single one. Here's right. what you missed about that mock draft, NFT. It wasn't that we were picking what we think was going to happen. We were picking what we yeah. think should happen because we know who's going to be good and who's not going to be good. Exactly. So oh, that we'll, it we'll revisit it in three years when the Tomahawk show is on to like NBA. We've taken over Good Morning America and we'll talk about how we were right about our first 10 picks. Exactly. Like, man, when we redo this draft, those guys had it right. So anyways, let's talk about uh, Baker. I know uh, the big criticism about him was his height and the comparisons to Johnny Manziel. But I think we talked about it when we had him on the show. We said, actually... Even though they're both big 12 quarterbacks, they're short, they're athletic guys, they're a little bit flamboyant, they're from Texas, so they have some similarities on the surface. Uh, the big difference was the fact that Baker made most of his plays within the pocket, within mm -hmm. the confines of the offense, going through the progressions, whereas Johnny in college was much more ad-lib, making plays outside the pocket. And I think I would compare Baker a little bit more favorable to a guy like Russell Wilson, who wants to throw the ball in the pocket, who's accurate who's on time, really bright, who doesn't look to run first. It's more of a run as a last resort. But when I'm outside the pocket, I'm really dangerous and can make plays. So I would actually say Baker's a lot more like Russell Wilson. And I think that'll probably make a lot of the Browns fans who have uh, a lot of bad taste on their breath still on in their mouth since the Johnny pick yeah. feel a lot better about the Baker pick. Well, I think the reservations aren't football related because – Johnny was a good quarterback. Like, Johnny had a lot of ability. We didn't get to see peak-level Johnny because of some of the off-the-field stuff, because of some of the personal issues he had going on. So it's tough to say what kind of football player he would be now or would have matured into had he had that other stuff tightened up. So when you look at Baker, I think that kind of thing helps him understanding that there are overlaps in some of the, the swag they have on the field, some of the mentality, that underdog chip on their shoulder, which is a good thing. It shouldn't be looked at as a bad thing because Johnny possessed those same things. Johnny's addressed them. He said like, yo, I have real personal problems on the field. Baker is, was the best quarterback. He was the most talented. He had all the, the, 
the things that you look for in a personality of a quarterback, he's a competitor, like all that stuff on the field, I was completely okay with because that's the kind of guy I want to play with. I always say I want a quarterback who wants to win more than anybody else on the field, and Baker is definitely that. He had the right arm. He was the most accurate quarterback. And I think the fact that he's coming into Cleveland, understanding understanding there are actual overlaps between him and Johnny's personality, him being able to see, you know, how that developed and and how things went wrong with Johnny, I think is going to help him because he's going to come in here and he's going to try to avoid that at all costs. Let's, he's coming in here. He, this is the place he wanted yeah, to come yeah. too. Let's be clear also, um, like you mentioned, Johnny had a ton of talent. He can be a good quarterback. The thing that tripped Johnny up was his personal addiction issues. Mm-hmm. And he's come on our show and said it. Yep. That's what derailed his career. And to everybody's knowledge, Baker doesn't have that same addictive issues off the field, as far as we know. Right. His his re, the reason they compare those two guys is because, you know, of their confidence, of their swag that they have on the field. And I think there was one case when like Baker was younger in college where he got tackled by the police. Did you see was, that like, video? Underage drinking or something. I haven't seen that video oh yet. Oh my god, like, bro. I, I wouldn't exactly compare like Johnny's party lifestyle in college to Baker getting a drinking ticket and getting tackled by police, which <laughs> yeah. is alarming that he was tackled by a police officer. Dude, if you're alarmed but, now, wait till you see the video. <laughs> it was the slowest just... get off I've ever seen. We <laughs> we'll no... chuck it up. He was probably sore from the game the night before. You should have no worries about him running the football too much. <laughs> <laughs> he made the cop look like Khalil Mack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm I love it. I love it. I actually seen it. Um, he, he did a piece with, um, uh, Russell Wilson on ESPN. They did the quarterback to quarterback show, and they showed the video. It was the first time I'd seen it, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, oh, this, this guy doesn't have any problems. That's like, you know, normal college stuff that you know, wrong, yeah, you know, wrong decision, wrong time. But yeah, I'm super excited about having Baker Mayfield. Um, I think it's a, it's the right choice. Um, my my issue came at number four. Because All right, let's go to number four. Yeah, and it's just it's it's not even anything bad. It's just a difference in philosophy. Like I, Denzel Ward from Ohio State, he was the best corner in the draft. So if they made the decision to say like, hey, we need to get we need a top corner, I love that. Um, but my thought process of of going with Bradley Chubb, who was available at that pick, is that in this conference, the or in this division, the AFC North, with the exception of Joe Hayden. And, you know, over time, a couple of injuries struck. But with the exception of Joe Hayden, you can't think of, like, that staple corner that has made a name in this conference, right? That's just Or this division. That's just not how the football is played here for whatever reason. And, and there's a couple of things that go in it. I'm not saying it can't be done. But the opportunity for me to, you know, put a Bradley Chubb and a Miles Garrett on the same defensive line, when you think of all the great AFC North teams over the last 15 years, you think of pass rush, like that's the common denominator. Like when the Bengals got good, they had Michael Johnson, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap. When the Baltimore Ravens got great, they had, you know, Terrell Suggs. They had, you know, Ray Lewis back there. They had Paul Kruger. They had, you know, these these figures, these pass rushers, the Steelers. You think of Jerome Harrison, Brett Kiesel. This is how the football is played in the division. I felt like that was a huge opportunity for the Browns to, you know, start building their own defensive line dynasty, of, you know, there in Cleveland because not to saying that cornerback's not an important position because it's probably one of the most important positions, but it makes it a lot easier when you have that kind of defensive line. And I don't think the fact that in this division, 
the good teams have those staples is a coincidence. So I'm going to give a pro and a con about number four. So I'll take both sides of the fence here because I can see both sides here. Mm -hmm. So one side is opposite of what Hawk says. All right. Uh, You look at Antonio Brown and AJ Green. Those are two top five receivers in the NFL right now. The Ravens don't really have like that premier receiver, but to be able to get a cornerback that could maybe cover those guys, I think would change how you can play defense. Right. I don't, I don't think, Denzel Ward would cover AJ Green all that well just because of the height issue. Now, mm-hmm. maybe I could be wrong. I'm no genius. Hawk, you could tell. Uh, I don't know anything about cornerback and receiver, but I would be concerned about a 5 9 corner going against AJ Green running back shoulders all day or uh, go balls. That, that's a tough matchup. But yeah. you put a guy like uh, Denzel Ward on Antonio Brown, to me, that's a better matchup. I think. If you can X out Antonio Brown, not not saying he will, but if he could, mm-hmm. that changes what they do. All of a sudden, that changes your defensive game plan. So to be able to handle a guy like that in the AFC North could be big time for the Browns. Now, I also had a chance to talk to Miles Garrett yesterday. We were both pumping iron. I uh, uh, I was pumping iron with him, and uh, well, he was pumping twice the weight I was. <laughs> and he said, "I said, hey, just, just twice." Yeah, I was like, "Hey." are you disappointed that we didn't draft Chubb with number four? And he goes, no, actually not because he has a lot of confidence that Emmanuel Ogba and Carl Nassib actually can turn into that really good pass rusher. Maybe not hall of fame or all pro, but like really solid pass rusher that can mm-hmm. work in with him in the long term. So, uh, Maybe maybe the guys in Cleveland have a lot more confidence in their current pass rushers developing and continuing to grow than the people on the outside. And I, I'm not arguing that. I think those are. I think Ogba is going to be a star. I think Nassib is going to be great. He you know he's a straight playmaker, and he was ever since I was on the team. I just think like you add Chubb to that. And like you said, Garrett is a guy who actually might rush better from the inside. So in situations on third down, you're rushing him from the inside. You have Ogbo on one side, Chubb on the other, Nassib coming in there. Now you got a real problem. You have a matchup problem in the division that guys can't account for. And I, I think Ward is a, a great cornerback. I think he was the best corner in the draft. Um, and it's not so much – my take isn't about his ability. It's the, the likelihood that someone's going to be able to come in and stop Antonio Brown or A.J. Green – like in the amount of time you need them to do so is slim. Like, I don't care how good you are. Like there was never a time where a corner was drafted and I went against a rookie first round and I played against first round. Like I'm never scared of a first round rookie because there's so much they don't know. It just takes so it takes time for them to understand how to guard these guys and understand like to get over that big brother mentality. Like Antonio Brown, he eats everybody up top corners. Like, you know, I don't, I don't care who it is. So it's just unrealistic to think that A.J. Green and Antonio Brown, who will probably retire in the top five receivers statistically in NFL history, it's just going to be tough to, to bring a guy in here to shut those two guys down. That's fair enough. Now, let me give my, my other side of it, right? I gave you the, the pro, and I'll give you the con. At number four, I don't think anybody had Denzel Ward going that high. Yeah. Most people thought he was going to fall maybe to like the early teens or around 10. Mm-hmm. And I know everyone said, well, why didn't the Browns trade down? And it's easy for people on the outside, including myself, to say, hey, if this is the guy they really wanted, there was all these other quarterbacks that teams wanted and all these other players, including the pass rusher Chubb, that teams would have perceivably traded up to get. 
And so the Browns, if this was their guy, should have tried to trade back into that 8, 9, 10, and hopefully Ward would have fallen to them. And I would say, yeah, I agree with that idea. Now, the one thing I will say in the Browns' favor is they probably did try to get somebody to trade with them. But I think being that this was such a deep draft, I think everybody that was sitting behind him was saying – you know what? There's enough guys on our board that we would be happy with any of them falling to us. Yeah. And therefore they weren't willing to give up a lot to get up to that fourth slot. And and that's the problem when you are sitting here in a deep draft, you know, one through 10 might be pretty equally rated at the top of people's board. And so you're not going to have much more draft value picking at four than you are at 10 because people at 10 are saying, I don't want to give anything up because I know one of my guys is going to fall to me. And so the Browns get put in a tough position where they want to trade out of their, their position at number four, but -hmm. they don't have any willing partners. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And another part, and I guess we're moving down the draft board here. The, The next question I had was we drafted the Browns drafted Austin Corbett, the guard from Nevada. Is he now? Is he going to play guard or is he going to play tackle? Well, he actually he played left tackle all four years there, but then played guard at the Senior Bowl. Okay, because so he isn't like that as a guard. Yeah, I mean, I, I had him as a guard, be, and he's like that tweener size. Um, but I don't know. I, I, it was that was a surprising pick for me because the Browns already have like the two highest paid guards. Am I wrong in saying that? Uh, they are very well compensated. They are not very going well compensated. Well. They're not going anywhere right now. I don't know if they're still the highest paid, but they were at one point. But the, the Browns, if there's no doubt in my mind that those two guys are going to be playing. Now, there was some speculation that Joel Batonio is going to move to left tackle. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think you take one of the best guards in the NFL and say, hey, go try playing a new position because that has the potential of making mm-hmm. two positions worse. So as soon as I saw that right. pick and I started watching a little bit of the film on Austin Corbett, I said – oh, man, this guy's actually got pretty good feet. And instantly, without talking to anybody in Cleveland, I thought, Here's, this is definitely going to be their plan. I think what they're going to do is put Sean Coleman at left tackle, keep the guards where they are, put J.C. Treader at center like he was last year, and then Austin's probably going to start at right tackle. I know uh, the Browns picked up Hubbard from Pittsburgh last year to play right tackle, but mm-hmm. I have a feeling that Austin Corbett is going to start his career at right tackle. And then they're going to try to see if he can be the guy at right tackle. And they're also trying to figure out if Sean Coleman can be the guy at left tackle. But now you have kind of three tackles. And then with Don Stevenson, and you've kind of got four guys that are fighting for two positions. And they kind of want to see how that shakes out. I think they feel comfortable with those four guys being able to shake out into those two positions for this year. And then see how it goes. And then after this season, if they need to make some adjustments and need to pick somebody else up, they can do that. Yeah. Now, and- Joe, did you talk to Joe Batonio at all? Because they yeah, played together so in Nevada. I texted last night because uh, I always text with my buddies, especially the guys that are uh, maybe bubble guys or getting towards the end of their career. They, everyone watches the draft because uh-huh. they want to see what the team thinks of them, right? Because if the team's drafting right. like three <laughs> dudes at your position, you know your ass is going out the door, so you better <laughs> dust off that resume. But uh, I texted with Joel, and, and Joel was like a little surprised because – on the draft, they had uh, Corbett listed as a guard. Yeah. Right. So everyone knows we got these two high-paid guards, and all of a sudden we draft a guard at the top of the second round. It's like, what the heck's going on here? But um, I think Joe was a little surprised. But then I think we all kind of realized it looks like they're going to move him to tackle and let him try out a tackle first, at least this season, and then see what happens. And I think um, Joel said he's a good dude. 
and he's excited about playing with another guy from the Wolves. In the meeting room, we can't <laughs> all gang up on the losers from Nevada. Now there's going to be two losers from Nevada that uh, are losing those those Wednesday night games <laughs> on the on the Mac channel versus uh, the boys in Toledo. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, the Browns have another good guard, I guess, or tackle as, as Joe is reporting. All right, so the next pick, another interesting pick from the Browns, running back Nick Chubb, and I think this – might have been just a a best available pick because looking at the Browns roster, it doesn't seem like it was a big need for him. You know, after have, having signed Carlos Hyde in free agency, they have Duke Johnson, who me and you talked about is we think one of the most complete backs in the NFL and just hasn't had the, the, the real opportunity to display that yet. And then they draft Nick Chubb with the 35th overall pick out of Georgia, who many had as a first round talent maybe, and probably one of the top two or three backs in, in the draft. What was, your, uh, what was your take on that one, Joe? I wasn't overly surprised. I know that the Browns brought in Carlos Hyde, uh, but I'm sure that they're thinking we need two kind of power backs, and Nick Chubb's kind of that power back. He's a bigger guy, 5'11", 227. Yeah. And Carlos Hyde, another big, strong guy. So if you have kind of two of those physical backs, and then Duke is a running back slash slot receiver. He's a guy that's going to be on the field a lot, but he's not going to get as many carries in the backfield as he is getting the ball, you know, in the flat, running some of those easy, quick, short routes that the slot receivers run. Right. So I'm not overly surprised that they're thinking, okay, we want to take Carlos Hyde and another back as our kind of one-two punch with Duke getting in the mix there. So for me, this was a good pick. I think he would have been a much higher pick, maybe even, you know, top 10, 15 guy had he not had that really bad knee injury. Yeah. Uh, but I think you get a guy like this who's high character, who's a uh, little bit of a chip on his shoulder trying to come back from that injury. And I think it could be a great pick for the Browns. Yeah, no, I like him. I, I, th- I think they got a lot of value at that pick from him. I just was, I'm just curious at, at the thought process, man. It just seems like a crowded running back room. But again, I don't get paid to make those decisions and I really don't know. So I, I just, I'm a big fan of Duke. I feel like Duke should should get more, carries and opportunities to run the football because I, I just feel like he's even better than what he's had the ability to show so far in his career. Chad Thomas, the last pick of the Cleveland Browns in the third round. Miami, Florida, defensive end. Mm. There goes Hawk, the I know you've watched I know you've watched a lot of film on him. Tell, yes. tell us what do you think is best pass rush move? I love when he does the chop rip slide spin. <laughs> Which was a new one that I hadn't seen. That's and my favorite. It's something that he's uh, developing and, and on the yeah. forefront of. So I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is a perfect pick at that at that spot. You know, when we we picked Chad Thomas there at the end of the third round, the first thing I thought was, oh, he's a lot like Agba. You know, he's 6'5", 281. He's a big physical guy. Not a lot of football uh, technique in his background. He's a guy that's definitely got a lot of room to develop. So uh-huh. I think they're thinking – Hey, we'll get him out there, and in a couple years, he might turn into something really special. So that's kind of what you get by the end of the third, fourth round. You're getting guys that you're hoping to develop to become good players a couple years down the line. So here's a did you here's a, here's a good take on Chad Thomas. He is actually a music producer. He's my cousin, actually. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. And he's producing like songs for Drake. Like so, if you look on, I I can't remember when the story was. It was a while ago, but. He was like producing songs for Rick Ross, Drake. He's from Miami, so you know, obviously the Rick Ross connection. But he's like a really like legit music producer, and he can play nine musical instruments. 
Uh, well, maybe we can have him write the Tomahawk Show intro. Since Finally. He can't come through with Dwayne Bow. Nobody can get Dwayne Bow out of bed to make us a Tomahawk Show intro tape. Dude, I've been hitting Dwayne Bow off the hook. All he does is he's on Instagram showing his huge house that could fit six of mine in. Um, I guess he's like, you know, he's working on his album. I guess the Tomahawk jingle isn't top of, top of my album. So maybe Chad Thomas can come through for us. Oh, That's awesome. All right, what else we got here? I got... Some some moments of the draft that were my favorite. Number one, there was uh who's the kicker from the Eagles that announced their pick? Was it David Akers? I don't know. So if you didn't see yeah. it, David Akers does uh they had like former players and legends and play and current players coming uh making the picks for team, which was surprising that you weren't there making a pick for the Browns, but maybe we'll get into that in a minute. But so David Akers, kicker for the Eagles, comes up and he's like a WWE. He's like the the Philadelphia Eagles, the division champs, the NFC the NFC champs, the the Super Bowl world champs. You know, the Dallas fans are like you know mm. going booing all crazy, and you know you could tell he had this whole speech where he's like going to get them hyped up and pumping up Philadelphia. And it was really cool. The funniest part to me, he opens the card, and the pick that the pick that he has to announce is the guy's first name is Dallas. Dallas Gobert, uh-huh. Gobert or Gobert or something. Uh-huh. So he's like going in like about the Eagles. Then he opens it up like, ah, I feel really good. Then he's like, selects uh, Dallas Gobert. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was something stupid, but I got a, I got a quite the kick out of it. That's Joe. pretty good. That's good. Uh, NFT. What was your favorite part of the draft? First two days. Uh, for me, the most memorable part was when Ryan Shazier came out. That was pretty powerful. Yeah. That was. I'm not going to lie. As a football player, it was more like a – it was scary as hell. So it was super inspirational. And, like, you love to see Shazier back on his feet, especially after a hit like that. I was actually at that game in the press box Ooh. watching the, the, the Bengals and the Steelers because they honored, like, former Bengals that game. And I was, like, one of the halftime honorees. And so seeing that in person and seeing him walk on there, it was like – Everyone's like, man, that's awesome. And it is awesome. I don't want to take anything away from that because, like, it, honestly, I got, like, teared up watching it. But as a football player, like, it scared the living hell out of me. Like, to see this guy who I played against, like, I, like he's one of the best linebackers in football. Like, we've had battles together. I, You know, we've shook hands. We've had conversations. Like, we've hit. And to see him in the state he is now and on his way back, it's, it's inspiring. But at the same time, it is that thing in the back of your mind where, like, you do have a little sigh of relief because that kind of thing can happen to you at any moment playing playing the game we play. Well, that's every player's worst nightmare there is laying on the field and not being able to feel your legs and feel your arms. Um, so yeah. I think that's given everybody that plays this game a big-time reality check, watching what's happened to Ryan and watching his process of coming back. And I think he's been inspirational to a lot of people, but also yes. – Frightening, no doubt. I think you yeah. hit the nail on the head because uh, nobody wants to turn what happens with a profession into a lifetime of being in a wheelchair. Um, that's not something that usually goes through your head, but it is a reality when you strap it up and you put that helmet on. Right. Um, unfortunately, I, for some reason, I wasn't watching when Shazier came up on the stage, so I didn't see it. Uh, but my favorite moment from the first couple of days was actually when the Bills brought up Pancho Bila, who was uh-huh. one of their uh, great fans, I guess, 
one of the most recognizable members of the Bills Mafia. And they brought him up on stage. I guess he's a fan that's battling some form of cancer and he's going through chemotherapy. And his his uh, mask, you could still see his eyes and his eyes were like crying because he was so overcome with emotion. Wow. And I think he felt so much respect and love in that room from everybody. I think he was the only guy all night that got applause from everybody, you know, because typically the, whoever's team is on stage, that team's fan is cheering. And then the rest of the whole stadium is booing them. Uh, But (laughs) at this moment, like the bills brought him up on stage and he was able to announce the pick. And my wife and I were watching and we're crying and he's crying. And it was just such a special moment. And to me, it really had everything to do with how football is just a game, but it means so much to so many people. And it's so much a part of fans and players lives. I mean, it really is our lives, it's fans' lives, and how it can change people for the better and how it means so much to so many people. Um, it was just a really special moment. I thought that was really cool. I, I even tweeted about it right after it happened. Yeah, that, that was really awesome, man. It really was. It really is. And, and you kind of – the thing about the draft, and I think, honestly, I think the draft was done really well this year. I thought Dallas, like – I didn't really have any dog in the fight and I didn't really have any expectations either way, but I thought – Jerry did it up for the draft and I thought it was really cool and it was a great experience. And it was one of those things you like stepped away from. And as it's still going on, you're like, man, this is, this is done at a really, a really good and high level. And it's, it's a cool experience as a football fan. You can see it like even bringing the former players back. And I love that Dallas is booing everybody. And I'm sure Goodell loves the fact that he's not the only one getting booed. Mm -hmm. So he loves the fact they could bring other guys up there. Um, Another, another cool part. Well, not cool part, but, the Jets drafted Sam Darnold. What was it? Three overall, yeah. right? So Josh McCown sends a tweet, you know, who who was a, <laughs> a, a, a one of our our most recognizable listeners here on the Tomahawk yeah. and a good friend of the show. So is he a he no said, face fan or is he a Tomaflockian? Um he has a face because we know him, right? So he has to be more of a member of the Tom. I think the, the no face fans are guys that we don't know. Okay. Well, so I know, a, they're all they're all no face fans to us. So he's we're, a we're the top, so so is he a Tomaflockian? Yeah, he's probably a Tomaflockian. Um, but so he sends a, a text conversation between he and his daughter. Now, if anyone doesn't know Josh McCown, McCown's like sixty-two years old, but he still played. <laughs> so he's still a quarterback in the NFL, and he just signed like another deal for another ten million dollars with the Jets. <laughs> and his daughter sends him a, a, a text like, "Hey, Sam Darnold, dot dot dot. He's less than a year older than me. Crazy." <laughs> and Josh responds, "Wow." Thanks, Bridge. <laughs> Her name is Bridget. Um, but I thought it was hilarious that he has a daughter the same age as Sam Darnold, <laughs> the guy he's going to be uh, he's going to be playing alongside in the locker room. That was pretty good. Um, I remember when Josh was with the Browns and we drafted. Was it Seth DeValve or it was one of these uh, you know young, good looking tight ends? I think uh, it was. Was it was it Seth? It was either Seth or me, but I didn't play tight end. <laughs> Maybe it was Hawk. But I think Hawk's the same yeah. age as Josh, so that didn't work. But <laughs> that was okay uh, to me. Oh, no, no. I remember who it was. It was Cody Kessler. Sorry. Sorry. My memory did not ah, serve okay. me correctly, but it was Cody Kessler. And yeah, one of the best Cody, tight ends in Brown's history. Best tight end in Brown's history <laughs> out of USC. And I remember Josh told us that his oldest daughter texted him right away and was like, Hey, that new quarterback you guys got is pretty cute. Any any way you can hook me up? (laughs) Uh, And it made me laugh. It made me think of my like second or third, my third year 
playing in uh, a preseason game against Brett Favre. And Brett Favre had two daughters at the time that were like my age. And I was thinking, man, you are so <laughs> old. Like I could be dating your daughter right now if I was a single man. And uh, I'm playing against you somehow. And, you know, Brett had that grizzled look by the time his career was kind of coming to an end. He had like the gray hair yeah, like and the man. gray beard. He was like a silver fox. Uh, but it's just funny how these quarterbacks can – survive so long that their kids end up being the same age as some of their teammates. Yeah, so when Josh tells Sam Darnold, I'm old enough to be your dad, he's legit <laughs> he old is. enough so, to be your father. So, uh, hey, why didn't you why weren't you announcing any picks, Joe? So they asked me to announce one of the second round picks, I think, and and you said I want the first <laughs> or no yeah, deal. Yeah, I said I'll take first overall or it ain't happening and of course Roger <laughs> ain't giving that up. Uh, but no, I don't know. I've always had this aversion to the draft. I always thought it was a real dog and pony show. And my whole thing with the draft is the draft is just where you find out where you're going to play. It's not the end of the process. It's actually the very beginning of the process. And so I always hated how players thought that, oh, I got drafted. I've arrived. Now I can sit back yeah. on my laurels and just take it easy. And I'll just I, I'm living the easy route. Yeah. You know, I, I'm living on easy street from now on. Don't have to do any more work. I'm in the NFL. <laughs> the dream's over. It's time to go to retire. And for me, it was always like, this is just the beginning. Like, when the work starts. And so, you guys can celebrate oh, it and everything, but this is not a big deal, just finding out where you're going to work. Now it's time <laughs> to start work. Hearing you say that makes me feel really bad for you, Joe, <laughs> in, the career, in your career. Because, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I'm like... Well, I guess that's one way to look at it, but it is a milestone for a lot of guys. You, you, you getting into the league, like the 1% that you've been working to. So it is okay to be excited about that. But then I thought like, well, man, that's probably been Joe's experience for 11 years. (laughs) Guys get drafted, stop working, which sucks, Joe. But I'm here to tell you that doesn't happen all over the league. There's other, (laughs) there's other draft picks who don't always do that. That's true. You can still be excited about getting drafted and then still continue to be a good player. That's true. So Hawk, you were undrafted. Yes. If Thanks for reminding. You, me. Yeah, I was as well. If you were a top five pick, all right, both you guys, NFT Hawk, you guys were not drafted in the NFL. If you were told you were going to be a top ten pick and they invited you to the draft, would you guys go and sit in the green room and sweat and act like an idiot for free on TV? Um. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I wouldn't act like an idiot. Well, yeah, you're going to sit um, there at this point, and you're going to go nuts about getting drafted and act a fool. And I'm going to laugh no, at you. I wouldn't act. Yeah, you would. I know you would. No, nah, <laughs> man. I would give a, a, a nice political way. <laughs> you would go and give Goodall the biggest man hug he's ever had. Right around nah, his waist. Man. Like the little kid. Like when you come home from work and you lean over and you hug your little kids. That would be Hawk and Goodell. No, nah, man. I'd push Goodell out the way. I'd grab the mic. And I'd be like, listen, to the nine teams ahead of me that drafted other mistakes, come in. <laughs> Slam the mic. Walk off the stage. That's awesome. All right. Yeah. NFT, would you go? I would go for sure. You just said I would for sure be a top 10 pick, so it's not really sweating it out in the green room, is it? Well, you <laughs> no, think if it was you're like, if it was, you, you said guaranteed. I mean, if it was borderline, I think it would still go. It's a fun experience. Something, I mean, not a lot of people get to do that. Like the NFL people that are making money off you showing up are the ones that are telling you it's fun. Like I, I don't understand how going for three yeah. days and being the NFL's puppet is like supposed to be this amazing fun experience. What do you mean? You did it for like thirteen years. 
I never went to the draft. You're you're, you're like we're all the NFL's. Yeah, I know, but like you spent your whole life trying to get here. Everything you've done over the last thirty eight years that you've been living in on Earth has been around getting into that. There's no doubt. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, You know, I don't know. I'm right. So you can't be you can't then throw your nose up at the media and public relations events around the event that you've spent your whole life no, no. to be a part of. I think once, Joe Thomas is a three time media good guy award winner. No no. <laughs> See, there's a big difference. Let me let me let me draw a line here, right? Okay. So once you're in the NFL and you're working for a team, you're under contract, like that's part of being an NFL player is right. you know, representing your team the right way, giving back to your community, you know, dealing with the media, putting uh you know, the media's got a job to do, so giving them good quotes, not right. being a jerk even when things are tough, like that's part of your job. But like showing up to the draft before you've been drafted, before you have a contract, and run, running yourself through the ringer so that Goodell can put more money in his pocket. And uh, what do you get from them? Like a thank you? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's FaceTime. We're helmet players. Yeah, I guess. Like, it's, a, it's an opportunity yeah. to show your face. When you were on your boat going fishing with your dad, did you have a camera crew with you? You know what? They asked me to do a live shot, and I said no because I didn't want to do anything. I I originally didn't even want to have anybody around. But did you have a camera and crew? And my agent you? said, but did hang you? on. Didn't hang on. Ask hang on. I, did, I didn't ask to get interrupted. Thank you very much. So my agent, interrupted. We're sorry. We apologize. Yes. My agent said, you have to have – a phone with you because they're going to have to call you before they draft you. I said, okay. I said, well, can I go fishing with my dad? And he's like, yeah, but you have to have cell phone service. And then like the NFL was just blowing me up. Like uh, people were calling me all the time. They they started out trying to be nice about it. Like, oh, it's an opportunity to make yourself more marketable. And I'm like, I don't care about marketing. I'm a lineman. Nobody's going to want to market me anyway. I just want to go play football. And then they they went from they pivoted from like trying to be nice to being jerks and saying how this is going to look bad and the teams are going to think you're a diva and a prima donna. I'm like, no, it's the opposite of being a diva and a prima donna. I'm shunning the spotlight because I don't want to be on TV. I don't want to be up on stage. I don't want any of that. I just want to go and work and be an offensive lineman that nobody knows my name. And I think people are going to respect that and they're not going to worry about that. And yeah. so they tried to be like, Jim oh, Thomas out. oh, you're, yeah, you're in big trouble. Like the, these teams are not going to like that. You you need to show up and do this <laughs> and that. And I'm like, you know, in the end, the only reason the draft is going on is because Goodell's able to sell the TV rights for millions and millions of dollars because all these people mm-hmm. are willing to be the live reality contestants for better or worse and for several people every year, it's always for worse. You know, my draft class, it was Brady Quinn. He sat there for four hours, sweating it out. And I can only imagine the emotions that went through his mind and his body. And, you know, maybe the marketability that he got from that day outweighed, like, the misery that he sat through. And and it's not just one day, by the way. You go down there for three, four days, and you yeah. do all these different events for the NFL and they're not charity events. They're events that make money for the NFL. So I just have a hard time volunteering my time when it's the last few days that you get to spend with your family before you're whisked away to whatever NFL city you're going to go to, volunteering to make money for Roger Goodell and so, the owners. That's that's my <laughs> But you didn't answer the it. question. Did you have a camera crew with you on your boat? 
<laughs> so yes. All right. Thank you for bringing me back to my point, NFT. My point is this. That was the, I know. That was the best circle to thank you very much. answer I've ever. So, like, which reminds me, I have a <laughs> grocery list to get to. <laughs> so anyway, so Packin goes, hey, uh, NFL Network or ESPN wants to have a camera on the boat to get a live reaction. And I said, I don't want the live reaction. I don't want anything to do with that. But I will allow NFL Network to have a camera to be able to record it and then release it like a day or two later after it's been you know, edited and after the time's up. But I just was adamant. I did not want live reaction. I didn't want anybody interrupting me, like distracting me from just trying to enjoy the day as much as possible. So the the camera crew did a good job of just kind of staying out of the way. There was no interviews. They just kind of recorded the morning, the fishing, the the phone call getting drafted, and then they were able to release that later in the day. And then as soon as I got to shore after I got picked and after the fishing trip was over, then I had all sorts of media people there asking me questions, doing interviews. And then I had to come to Cleveland that afternoon and uh, do even more press conferences and stuff. And then that's kind of when the craziness starts. Yeah. So you did have a camera crew. Got it. (laughs) So the answer is yes. (laughs) And I've got, I've got a question for you, Joe, about having that camera crew on here. I don't know if you've ever told this story, but in the video, you are holding up a giant fish. Did you personally catch that fish? Uh, that very fish, I think I did, but I don't remember. So just to give you a little sense, when you're fishing uh, on Lake Michigan and you're trolling, you've I'm, got I'm three rods. I'm one of the top trollers on Twitter. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. Continue. So, so let's say the three of us are fishing. You can have three poles in the water per person, so we could have nine poles. And when one gets a fish it's sitting in the rod holder and it's bouncing and you know there's a fish on so whoever goes and grabs it can like hook it and then what happens is usually it's a rotation like we'll draw cards or straws hawk goes first i get the second fish dan gets the third so as soon as the fish gets a bites you pull it out of the rod holder you set the hook and then you give it to whoever turn it is and then they get to reel it in so i don't remember if the fish i was holding was the one i caught but i definitely caught a couple fish that day all right I thought maybe I thought maybe uh, NFD had a hot take that we didn't know that you were actually just faking it and putting fake fish. I believe someone else could've... caught the fish and Joe just pretended. That's the story I was told. Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like Joe was trying to get a little FaceTime. Am I right, Dan? <laughs> well, speaking of, speaking of the draft, Hawk put out a great tweet about what he thinks the draft should change to. Yes, the tweet read: "There should be two NFL drafts: skill player draft on primetime." And then yep. a lineman draft earlier in the day with no television coverage. <laughs> Just like the Grammys do the hip-hop game. <laughs> That's funny. I think that would be awesome. Because honestly, most linemen that I know that are coming out of college, they have no interest in the media spotlight. They have no interest in being <laughs> the focus of attention. And for that matter, the fans don't really care about the linemen either. Usually every lineman oh, that gets drafted, a- all the fans are looking at their phone like, who the hell is this guy? Like, I've never heard of that guy. They're all bad kids. No matter how sucks. good they are, they're yeah, bad Like picks. when I got drafted, everyone booed. Boo, he sucks. Should have had Brady Quinn. He's much more attractive. <laughs> exactly, man. One thing I love, it's it's good old pooling highlights on primetime television. Yeah, right. And they always pick the worst highlights for the linemen, you know. It's always like the highlights of them holding <laughs> or like falling down or like just a real easy lane block. They never find any good pick, any good highlights. I agree, which is a good reason you didn't go to the draft. Maybe that's why you you knew that the people didn't really want to see you in the first place. I knew that I didn't have any good highlights. Exactly. Well, if we go back to your draft, you actually had a really, really good draft class. I'm looking at it right now. 
Your top player. Oh, it's like one your, of the best your top of all time. Keepers pick was Jamarcus Russell. Not great there. Big flop. Big that flop. was a big flop. But here's some other names in your draft. We got Calvin Johnson, who went number two. Joe Thomas went number three. Um, who are the big Adrian names? Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson. Ted Ginn Jr., who still is in the league and, and playing well. Patrick Willis. Marshawn Lynch. Darrell Revis. Um, Lawrence Timmons. We got Leon Hall, who's still in the league. Reggie Nelson. Dwayne Bowe. Big friend of the show there. Um who else? Joe Staley was late in that round. Greg Olson was late in that round. That's like a super duper impressive first round. Like I would say that the only draft I can remember in the last 15 years that compares to that one is the year that J.J. Watt and Von Miller went, whatever, was that like 2010 or 2011, something like that? That was another yeah, fantastic was- class. But, I mean, in my class, in the first round alone, there was probably potentially five Hall of Famers. That's amazing. That's pretty amazing. That is that is very amazing. Well, kudos to you, Joe, and, and your draft class. All right, what else okay. we got, MD? Moving on from Joe. Uh, rumor has it Jason Witten is planning on retiring and joining the Monday mm. Night Football crew. Joe, wow. Joe, we know you auditioned for that, and he clearly yeah. was better than you, so what's your take? Yeah, obviously. It was funny. So I auditioned for that a couple weeks ago, and I think Jason had auditioned maybe a couple months before that, but – at that point, I think Jason had just re-signed a, a new contract in Dallas and everyone kind of anticipated that he was going to play football because playing football is a lot more lucrative than talking about football. And it seemed like, generally speaking, he was still healthy and there was no issues and no reason for him to retire. But all of a sudden, things have changed. But while I was going through the process, everyone said that uh, sort of the, the pecking order for the networks would be uh, – Jason Witten, number one, and then I would be if he decided not to take it. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm probably, you know, in the driver's seat since it doesn't look like Jason Witten's going to retire. He's gonna play for him. Apparently he decided to retire and uh, became the voice of Monday Night Football, which I'm slightly surprised he would accept that job. Um, I realized that this is a once in potentially a generation opening and mm-hmm. he might fill that spot and be the guy for 25 or 30 years. And so this is one of those instances, well, if you ever want to take that position, if that's ever a wish of yours, you kind of have to jump on it right now and offer it to you. But for being a guy coming right off of the field, going into that role, that's a lot of work. Like the Monday night football yeah. gig is probably harder than doing any of the Sunday games because it's the premier game during the week. Monday night football is the game that non-football people watch. You know, my grandma and my mom turn on Monday night football on Monday night and watch the game. And for those guys, they leave on a Friday and they do uh, interviews with the home team on Saturday and they have meetings and production meetings. And then Sunday they interview the away team And then obviously Monday is meetings in the game and then they come home Tuesday and then Wednesday, Thursday, they're preparing for the next game and then they travel again the next Friday. So for 20 some plus weeks in a row, you're away from home four or five days a week. So actually the schedule is worse during the season than when you were playing. So for a guy like Jason, for a guy like me, if they would have offered me the job, it would have been a tough decision whether you want to take it because of the commitment it takes, especially if you want to be good at it, which anybody who takes that job is going to want to be really good at it. Uh, right. It's a hell of a commitment and it's something you'd seriously have to consider like the time away from your family, especially coming off being a player for 15 years like Jason has. 
Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting pick to me, man. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what goes into that thought process. I don't understand number one why I wasn't the first choice, but number two, <laughs> you were the first choice, but I heard you turned it down. Well, of course I turned it down. They only offered me eleven million a year, and I'm like, come on, <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Do you want to be the top rated show or not? Come on, get get it together. I never heard back from them, but uh, yeah, I, I thought Jason was going to continue to play, and it's it's always interesting to me when uh. They do sometimes go for the splash name, right? Because it's like, I think what Tony Romo has created is the appetite for a reality show aspect to the color and to the broadcast of of gangs because you want to see if he's going to sink or swim. Now, Tony Romo did a great job and he he put incredible work in. And I think for the most part, he had really good reviews and people enjoyed having him on, on the set. But there was some like, Prior to him showing that ability, I was kind of like, I don't think Tony's going to be good at this. I think Jay Cutler was another example when they announced him. I think it was for Fox. He was going to cover the games before, you know, Miami ended up giving him ten more million dollars. But it was like that same aspect. Like, man, I wonder how Jay Cutler's going to do because he doesn't seem like he has any personality. He never talks, right? So I think now networks are kind of going towards that. Like, hey, let's go for some splash names and let's just watch whether it's going to be. They're going to be great or they're they're going to be a train wreck, but people will tune in to figure out which of those two is going to happen and maybe they'll get better over the season. So I think it does add some, like I said, reality show aspect to it, Um, but it is interesting to say the least. Yeah, I think you're right on there. Tony Romo really opened up this category for all former players and became sexy and in vogue to get a guy that had just come off the field to be the color analyst because Tony Romo got such Mm -hmm. good ratings Um, And so obviously this selection of Jason Witten has a lot to do with the success of Tony Romo. And like you mentioned, Jay Cutler, a guy that nobody would expect to be somebody that anybody wants to hear in the color booth. He gets a job with Fox right off the field. And so for for Jason, uh, I think they're thinking that, hey, Tony Romo did such a good job. Uh, He was so well received. Let's hope that putting another cowboy in there who's got a good guy image will get the same type of hype and uh, publicity pump that Tony Romo did when he was selected with CBS. So uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think the news got leaked before Jason wanted it to because it sounds like he's not fully sure if he's actually going to retire or not uh, and take this job. But it sounds like that's where everybody is leaning. Genius then of ESPN who said, you know what? Throw this out there and (laughs) force his hand. That's right. Basically, make him be the color guy. Make all teams think that he has, doesn't want to play anymore. This way, boom, we got him. Got him. Smart. And I think that was a situation. I think it was like, I think the Cowboys may have informed him that, I don't know, that I maybe, did I not hear that? That they, the Cowboys didn't necessarily want him to continue playing? I don't know about that. I, I hadn't heard that. I, I thought they just re-signed him. Yeah, I know. But I think, um, it's, it's you know, it's like when the, the Browns, Gave you a new deal, you know, and it's like we really. They're like, yeah, yeah, we, we're trying to get him out the door. We're trying to this get him out the door. This is the new deal to go home. This yeah. is your severance. His severance package. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, NFD. Let's do some uh, some Q and A, babe. All right, let's let's transition over to some Tomahawk Q and A. I know you guys did your AMA on the NFL Reddit page, which was awesome. Go back and check that out, everybody. So we're just going to do a couple Q and A questions today. First one comes from Ty Trim eighty nine. If you guys could only have one guest ever again on the Tomahawk show, who would it be mm. and why? That's a good one. What do you got, Joe? 
You so you're going to just start talking and then tell me to give my answer? Yes, because it, <laughs> it not only buys me time to continue yeah. talking, it also forces you to be the first guy to answer. Yeah, you're like the kid in math class now who is repeats this, is the this... question after the teacher asks him. It's funny because when, and this is like way off topic, but I was telling somebody a couple of weeks ago that when, when players go in for, for, for workouts – like, you know, we everyone knows NFL players work hard. We have practices and practices are hard or, or off-season workouts are hard. But when you go out for trial for teams, Joe might not know this because he hasn't done it ever uh, since he's been a pro. But when you go work out for a team, so let's say the Bengals bring you in for a workout and it's just you, which a lot of times it is, and maybe you and another guy or maybe you and two other guys. But I've been in workouts where I was literally the only guy there, multiple ones. And there's a guy basically taking you through every single drill and you're the only one there. So it's they have stuff to do. And it's there's not like we're giving you like a an adequate amount of rest in between running these routes. So I'm running 15, 20, 25 routes in a row by myself, jogging right back and doing it all over again. So it's almost like a conditioning test. It's the hardest thing in the world. But one of the tricks that you do is you always ask the question back to whatever they ask you to do. So they say, hey, you know, I want you to backpedal five yards and break forward. And then I would go, so you want me to backpedal five yards and break forward? Yeah, you want me to break off my right foot or my left foot? It, well, it doesn't matter. But I mean, when I'm coming down, am I coming down at a 95-degree angle? Or how do you? How are you doing it? Because at college, I was t- – and you basically just go back and forth every single time to buy a bunch of time in between so you don't look like you're not in shape. and you You're don't buying time. time. I love it. Dan, I forgot yeah. the question. After Hawk's long-ass-winded answer there, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> I say all that to say that Joe did have a camera crew on draft day. When he was Joe. With his fake yeah. fish. Yeah. That he didn't even oh, so the best guest. Who would we want back? Yeah, if you guys, if you, Well, if you guys could only have one guest ever again in the Tomahawk show, who would it be and why? Now, does that mean it has to be a guest that we've already had, or can it be a new guest? I don't know. I think it's anybody. I feel like all humans are involved. As long as you're human or maybe you're an animal. I don't know. Maybe you want Mr. Ed. Just <laughs> everybody's on the table. Who Who is the, who is the guest you would want? Um, I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, but go ahead. I would want Barack Obama. That would move the needle a little bit for the Tomahawk show. Oh, yeah. He's probably the most popular guy person in the world right now as far as who would – Get people to tune in and listen to us. So yeah. we're just whores for listeners. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably go. It's tough, man. Okay. Barrio out because you already said him. I would probably interview Oprah would get us some ratings. Yeah, she's I'll kind of passe, I think. She's yeah. not bringing in the younger generation. Well, if we get a retweet from Oprah. That would be big. All right. Let's go. The Rock. He's got a go, lot of followers. I would go Kanye. Kanye? Because he would Kanye say something would crazy. Because right now he would say he would say something really crazy. Yeah. He's been wilding out on Twitter the last week saying a bunch of like off the wall things. <laughs> he released a song yesterday where he just rapped for literally two minutes saying Scoopy Doo poop like the whole time. <laughs> it's a, it's the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. So, so I feel like I, I can get some ratings out of that. Or wait, no, who's the guy? No, who's the guy who sings the Gucci bandana song? I heard that in the locker room uh, a lot. I don't know. It was the Gucci bandana. Gucci bandana. Gucci bandana. That's all the song was. You mean Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang? No, Gucci, no, gang. Gucci bandana. One? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not up this on my is new, not new I'm not. Wait, sing it. Are you, <laughs> you're going to use that app on your phone, again, right? I, I, so you know exactly what it, it again, is. Sing it again, Joe. How'd it go? Yeah, because I'm sure it sounds exactly it like it. Gucci bandana. 
Soldier Boy. It was Soldier Boy. He sings all those songs that are like two oh, words, no, like for four minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I don't listen uh, to Soldier Boy. I don't. You but, shouldn't either. Yeah, it's the guy that they play in the uh, the locker room every now and then. Well, they used to. That was like five no, years ago. Not that was five Soulja years Boy. ago. Out. That was five. That had to be the year right. you were drafted. Nobody was oh, yeah. 15 years ago. My years there, right, no one right, ever yeah, You were the tough guy, the, the locker room DJ enforcer. All right, next question. All right, last question comes from Caleb Bahari. What is your favorite color starburst? Red, right? Everyone no, should everyone red. should be pink. Mm, that's where that's where I disagree, Joe. Why Why pink? Pink is, a, still pink is good. It's probably second best. Red is second best, but I, right. I've always enjoyed pink the best. I think it gives you the most uh, flavor. You know who I don't trust? People who think yellow. Yeah, yellow. Is they're not high. trustworthy. I've met like two people who who love yellow, and automatically I don't trust them. It's like the people that think cilantro tastes like soap. Can't trust them. Yeah, I like orange. I like orange too. Very underrated. Orange is good, but it's in third place. Yeah, it's when all the reds and pinks are are gone. You go to the orange. All right. Well, I think that does it here for the tomahawk. Listen, we appreciate you tuning in as always on our uh, draft recap episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate us five stars, hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag Tomahawk. Also, make sure to go back, binge listen to all our previous episodes, check out our our AMA on the NFL Reddit page. It's incredible. And we're actually going to probably keep pulling questions from that because there were so many we didn't get a chance to get to. Um, Yeah. And again, we'll, we'll see you sometime this week. We got some big guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. We'll announce that at a later time. So until next time, Joe, any final thoughts? Nothing from me. It was a good show today, boys. As always, Dan, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>